so yeah, I'm just so excited uh, to, to kick off this series. Um, and it's really cool. Uh, we are going to go through a book of the Bible this quarter. Uh, and so we are going to go through the book of Ephesians. Uh, yeah, I am so excited. Like, this is such a great book. It's a great letter that Paul writes. Um, and uh, I have just fallen in love with it. It has been just so much fun to read it, read it through. I cannot tell you how many times I've read it uh, in preparation for this, uh, this series. And so super excited uh, to dive into it. And if you're not familiar, it's in the New Testament, okay? And how many people ever have, like, difficulty finding books of the Bible, like, in your Bible? Like, okay, where is it at? Yeah, right? So here's the thing. One thing that I have learned of how to figure out where Ephesians is sort of in the Bible uh, is it comes after Galatians, okay? So it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, an easy way to remember that is God eats popcorn, okay? So literally every time I go to it, that's what I think as I like, God eats popcorn. Okay, Philippians comes after Ephesians. So if you need a little help, there you go. So God eats popcorn, and uh, the Ephesians is eat. So just, just think of that. Um, now, uh, several of Paul's letters uh, to the churches really seem to be in response uh, to questions that they were asking, or Paul was correcting their theology. Uh, however, in this letter, it doesn't appear to be either of those. It's kind of a general letter. Um, one of the themes in it is, is cosmic reconciliation. Uh, it's kind of like between uh, earth and the heavenly realms and between God and people. Uh, and so it's also like unity in Christ are like the central message of this book. Um, and so uh, we get to see how all this plays out throughout this quarter. So I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. Uh, it's going to be great. Now, I do want to ask, like, have, ever, have you guys ever struggled with identity? Yeah. Do you know who you are? I believe another one of the purposes of this letter is identity formation. Paul tells us who we are from the outset because of Christ and how we should live. Um, when I was in high school, you saw my senior photo, um, I... Uh, kind of, like, didn't necessarily have a place that I belonged um, as far as, like, friend groups because uh, high school can be very clicky. And so I, like, I could hang out. I had a lot of friends that were into sports. I played baseball, um, and I did bowling uh, in high school, so I was excited about that. But, yeah, right, I do bowl. Uh, and so, like, I had a lot of friends that were into all different sports, so I would hang out with them. Or I had friends that were, like, into computers and, like, into uh, video games. And so, like, I would hang out with them. I kind of, like, didn't necessarily have one or the other that I was, like, hanging out with. Um, it just kind of, I guess, depended on the day. Uh, I guess I would be, like, a floater. I kind of just floated between friend groups. Um, I knew a lot of people uh, and just was friends with a lot of them. And so uh, when you were in high school, like, think back. Luckily for most of you, uh, you don't have to think as far back as I do uh, about your time in high school. But uh, how did you identify yourself? Were you in the popular crowd? Uh, maybe you were uh, a jock, uh, you were brains, you were a normal, uh, a druggie, a loner, or, you know, you were like me and you were a floater. You just kind of floated around. Uh, yeah, but, like, I want to ask you now, like, what is your identity wrapped up in now? Now that you're in college, what is it wrapped up in? Is it academics? Are you very studious? You do your homework. You make sure it gets done, and you are very, like, diligent in that. 
um, maybe it's sports. You play a sport here uh, at Central, or maybe it's your pro sports team. Uh, we've got football going on right now. Uh, a lot of people like identify with a certain team uh, that's in the state of Washington. I do not. I won't name my team, but uh, yeah. So, or it, like maybe in your fantasy football, like do you really, really care like deeply about your fantasy football team? Or even uh, the U.S. women's soccer, uh, maybe competitive jump roping, like you really are like really into that. Um, I heard a story that at one point in Chi Alpha, there was somebody that did competitive jump roping uh, years ago. So, you know, it is a thing. Uh, maybe music, like playing music. Uh, maybe you find your identity in your sexuality. Uh, but what happens when these areas of your life are challenged? When all of it gets just stripped, gets stripped away, what are you left with? There is a battle, there is a war that is going on for our identity. And God wants us to know who we are. He wants to help us know who we are. Doesn't it make sense that our creator wants to, us to know who we are? There is a war waging in this world whether we know it or not. Yes, we have actual wars here on earth. Uh, if you're like at all looking at the news of what's going on right now in Iraq and Iran, like major stuff, like actual wars that are happening. Um, but that's not the type of war that I'm talking about. Paul asserts that a different war is being waged on this earth, and it is a spiritual war. And did you guys know that we have been taught a lie? We have been taught a lie that what we do or how we feel is where our sense of worth comes from. I know I have fallen for this lie before. Have you? This is a lie that the devil has used time and time again to hide the fact that our identity and worth comes from Christ. The devil does not want us to know who we are. He does not want us to know that we are incredibly special people created in the image of God. There is a constant raging war that is going on in and around our lives. We must wake up to this reality and start to live like we are at war, because we are. Has any of you guys seen The Matrix? More, yeah, so like Neo from The Matrix, right? We are faced with the option of taking the red or the blue pill, okay? Uh, and also, side note, if you are a fan of The Matrix, maybe you already know, but they are coming out with a fourth one next year. Uh, so super excited about that. Uh, so if you haven't watched them yet, watch all three of them, and then you'll be ready to go for next year for the fourth one. Uh, but they're, they're, it's a fantastic trilogy. But the red pill uh, is representing a life of harsh knowledge, desperate freedom, and the brutal truths of reality. And the blue pill representing a life of luxurious security, tranquil happiness, and the blissful ignorance of the harsh realities of life basking in an illusion. Like, it's just, like, living a life just completely oblivious to really what's going on and just not even paying attention. And I think that too many of us have been ignoring the truth, myself included. And we are more concerned about saying the right thing or being politically correct than we are about facing reality. Have you been known to do this? I know I have. Man, it is a struggle to confront the truth. But thankfully... Paul in Ephesians allows us to see the truth of the situation at hand. We are at war. 
uh, throughout this quarter, we are going to have our eyes and hearts open through the book of Ephesians. We are going to come to grips with the reality through this book. Uh, that we, uh, the reality that we are waging a war and all of our lives are at stake. But take heart. Paul gives us clear instructions on how to be effective in waging war against the devil. So our, uh, our title, I believe it's now, our title slide is, or uh, like our theme is waging war. That, so like our theme of Ephesians is going to be waging war uh, this, uh, this quarter. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and so, yeah, let's get into our text. Uh, but before we do, I've got a question for you all. How many of you would consider yourself to be planners? Wow, that's impressive. Way to go. Well, I would say that I am not the greatest planner. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, uh, I tend to fly by the seat of my pants in a lot of areas. Um, and now this isn't the best approach to take. Um, so I want to share a story with you guys, okay? So back when I was in college, uh, I had a couple, f a couple of buddies that um, decided, we decided we were going to do a road trip um, over the summer. Uh, so I'm from Oregon, so I, like, went home for the summer, and then they, so I went to school in Minnesota, uh, in case you didn't know, uh, and so they're living in Minnesota, and we had a friend that was getting married in, uh, like, Southern California, and so the idea was they were going to fly out for this wedding, and I was going to go down, like, drive down to go to the wedding, and then we were going to road trip from California back to Minnesota, but we had another wedding the following Saturday, so, like, one week apart in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so we kind of had like more or less an open agenda of like what we were going to do uh, because of like where one of my friends was from, Wisconsin. He hadn't been to the Pacific Ocean, so we're like, we're going to go uh, to LA. We're going to do that. It's going to be great. Um, and then we're going to just kind of slowly make our way uh, to Lincoln, Nebraska. And so we had the great idea, you know, we're poor college students. Can any of you relate? Right, right. So we're, we're poor college students, and we're like, okay, how can we save money on this trip? I got it. Let's camp along the way because it's it's cheaper for us to camp than it is to book hotel rooms. Right? Okay. So uh, we had, you know, we had specific destinations because of the way we were going. We were going to stop in Vegas, and I had talked to some coworkers, and they're like. Uh, don't worry about booking a hotel. That's the one spot we were going to book a hotel, mainly because of the heat, the temperature. We're like, we know it's going to be super hot. This is like the middle of July in Las Vegas, not cold at all. And so we, we were like, we're going to book a hotel there. But everyone I talked to was like, oh, you can get such great last-minute deals in Vegas. Don't worry about booking. Like, it's going to be okay. Uh, every time we go, we can always get find something last-minute. Or like, okay, that sounds good. So that year for my birthday, I asked for, like, camping equipment. Uh, so I had, like, a tent, um, like, lights, like, all the, all the works that I could have uh, for this trip. So we go down, and uh, after the wedding, uh, the first spot we go is to, uh, like, L.A., basically, Hollywood, and just kind of checking out the sites. Uh, we went to Laguna Beach, and we're thinking, oh, man, we're going to camp on the beach. This is going to be awesome because another one of my friends – uh, it was from Hawaii, and they were allowed to, like, he grew up camping on the beach. And so we just had this expectation of, we're going to camp on the beach, okay? So we, we get there, and there's, like, signs all over, no camping, 
we don't know what we're going to do. There's like literally like every town we go to along the coast, no camping. And then like the only campsites that were around were RV camping, okay? So we're like, what the heck? What are we going to do? So we uh, basically were like, okay, this isn't good. But my, my friend worked at a hotel at the time, so he was like, well, let me see if they can hook us up with anything. And so calls, and it's like midnight there, 10 o'clock our time, and like, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure you can get the discount. Um, and so we, we stay at this really, really nice, fancy Marriott hotel in, in like, Hollywood. It was, it was incredible, but uh, it was just way out of our budget, but luckily we had a discount. And so we did that. So the next day we, get, we go to uh, Vegas. We're on our way. And I don't know if any of you have ever driven through Death Valley uh, in the summer. Uh, there is a reason it is called Death Valley. It is very hot, and, like, crows are, like, circling, like, all over. I mean, it is just crazy, and it's very mountainous. So, like, you have to drive up the mountain to get um, over the pass and everything. And so, anyway, uh, my car starts to overheat. Uh, and <laughs> so, like, my friends are sleeping in the back. So, I'm, like, cranking up the heater to full blast to take as much hot air away from the engine as I could. Windows are down, and it is just absolutely miserable. Uh, and so at one point we had to stop and like let the car sit for a while so that way we can continue on. Uh, and it was just a miserable time. So we get into Vegas in the evening and there is no hotels available anywhere on the strip. Like everything is booked. We go to like every single one. Finally, we were able to use the hotel discount again. We went off strip and I mean, it was just like, it was rough. And uh, we ended up, like, walking and went to, like, every casino because we just wanted to see what they looked like, just the architecture and, and all that stuff. So we did that. And then uh, the next day, we I decided, like, hey, guys, let's just stay here until the evening when it's cooler, and then we'll drive because I don't want my car to overheat. And we're like, all right. So we hang out there, and then we drive. Um, in the evening, we leave. And we're getting tired, and so we decide to uh, stop and camp. And I don't know, how many of you have ever seen an atlas? Okay, a few of you. That's good. So an atlas is basically a map in a book form. Okay, so it's got like every state, everything like that. Okay, this is before smartphones, so we didn't have Google Maps. All right, we didn't have Apple Maps. We didn't have that. We had a book that, that had a map, and it was not like most up to date, but it worked. So anyway, so on there, we're like, okay, is there any campsites within our route? We found one. And we're like, okay, let's stay there. We pull in at, like, midnight. It's dark. Um, we get the, the, the tent set up. It's, like, 95 degrees outside. We're hot. We're miserable. Um, and we go to sleep. And then, I don't know, like, an hour later, all of a sudden, like, we start to feel raindrops coming because we didn't put the rain guard up, the, the, the rain fly. Because it was so hot, we just wanted br uh, like a breeze. So we're like, oh my gosh, this feels amazing. Well, it did feel amazing, but all of a sudden it started to really, really pick up, okay? So now it's almost like a downpour that's coming. So me and my buddy, we like grab the rain fly and like half asleep, haphazardly like put it on the tent, enough to where we're not getting wet. Um, and so we get it there, uh, go back in try to go back to sleep, and then like five minutes later, it stops raining. All right. So we're like, whatever, we're not going to go take it off. Well, then like 30 minutes later, a big windstorm, co windstorm comes through. 
Okay, the wind comes, uh, it's blowing, and because we didn't put the rain fly very well, it's starting to, like, blow off. This is a brand new tent, so I'm like, I got to get this. So, like, jump out of the tent, grab it, like, shove it under the tent so it doesn't blow away, get back in, and then a couple minutes later, nothing, right? So no more wind at all. And then it's just, like, still the rest of the night, okay? And so uh, it was miserable. It was hot. We were tired. Uh, we get up in the morning, and there's, like, this really, like, small, still lake, and there's, like, red dirt everywhere, and, I mean, it's just, like, the desert. We are in the desert. And I've got a picture that I want to show you of just the dejection of our faces. <laughs> so that's me up there. But it is just awful. It is so miserable, right? Okay, and so, and my other friend had long hair at the time. When he woke up, his pillow and his head was completely drenched. And I was like, did you, like, go put your head in the lake and come back? Because it's so hot. He goes, no, that was sweat. He sweated that bad. I mean, it was so bad. Uh, so anyway, so we, we, like, get in the car and just continue to drive. And then our one, um, our one like, spot that we're like, we're going to go here was Denver. We wanted to visit Denver, Colorado, specifically because the first Chipotle that ever opened <laughs> is in Denver, Colorado. And if you know me, I love Chipotle. It's like my favorite place to eat. It is like I, yeah, I think on this break, because I was home and there's Chipotle there, I think I went like six or seven times uh, while I was there. Uh, but anyway, so we went to Chipotle, and then I got a picture, okay, of me super excited after finishing my burrito at the first Chipotle ever opened in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and so, yeah, I just wanted to show you. It turned to joy. Like, I had fun. Uh, and so, so, yeah, so we continue on. Uh, we found a place in Colorado in the mountains that was absolutely gorgeous to camp. It was great. Uh, we continue. We get to Lincoln, and we were thinking we're going to camp. And um, we don't know where we're going to camp. Like, we have no idea. We didn't scope out, like, campsites. We, again, opened our trusty atlas. And we're like, okay, where can we go? Couldn't find anything. So we're like, you know what? Let's stay in a hotel. Everything's booked. There's, like, a roller derby competition. There's, like, all this stuff. Like, it was just miserable. We're kind of towards the end of our trip. And so we, we then decide we're going to sleep in our car, in my car, in a Walmart parking lot. It's 24-hour Walmart. We're just like, we're just going to sleep in the car. It's going to be fine. Uh, so we go do that. I can't sleep, so I go into to Walmart, walk around. All of a sudden, I see my buddy playing video games, and I'm like, hey, and just, like, continue to walk. And so then early, like, 6 a.m., we're like, okay, let's just go get something to, bre something to eat. So we go. We, we get to the restaurant and just sit in our car. We're like, we're not getting out. Like, we're too tired to even do this. So then we're like, okay, let's find a park. Let's just go sleep in a park. <laughs> so get the atlas out. Look, okay, where's the nearest park? All right, we found it. So we, we, we get to this park, and we just, like, go. It's somewhat dark still, but we, like, go and just, like, lay down in the grass in this park. And then we're woken up a couple hours later. There's kids playing in the playground. We definitely looked like we were homeless, <laughs> okay? Uh, it, w it, was, it was pretty bad. And so we, we get do the wedding, uh, and after the wedding, we were going to stay one more day. We were like, you know what? We're going home. Like, we are miserable. We are going home. So we drove from Lincoln, Nebraska to Minneapolis that night. We're just like, we're done. Uh, and so it was not a great plan, all right? So this, was, this is something I have grown and learned, especially because I worked in hotels. Like, 
Now when I travel, I book hotels before I go because I want to make sure I have somewhere to stay. Um, but luckily, uh, unlike you know my road trip, uh, before God created the world, he had a plan. All right? He wasn't like me, thankfully. Uh, he had a plan. He had an idea. And God is a much better planner than I am. Uh, he was thinking of you and me the entire time. So let's look at God's word to get a glimpse of his plan. So we're going to read Ephesians 1. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, if I can get Bible passers, should have done this earlier, but Bible passers can come up. And if you need a Bible, uh, go ahead and raise your hand. We have Bibles available for you. We'll get it to you. And if you don't own a Bible, it is yours. It is a gift from us. Uh, so you can go ahead and keep it. Um, and I'm going to have a couple of our students, uh, a couple of you are going to read it for me. And so I have Milo, uh, who's going to read uh, the first part, and then Shana will read the second part. So go ahead. So there is definitely a lot to process in this chapter. Um, so let's get, let's get right to it. Uh, so Paul talks a lot about Jesus Christ or being in Christ. Uh, so there must be something to this. Could Paul be referencing that our identity is found in Christ and in him alone? So verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many of you have ever needed God's blessing? How cool is it that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ? From the get-go, we see Paul referencing things that we cannot see, uh, the heavenly realms. So what exactly are the heavenly realms? So this phrase could mean both the sphere of God or Christ and the location of the evil principalities and powers. Uh, the principalities and powers are in the darkness of this world. Uh, even though Christ has defeated death, we are still living in a broken world until he returns. These gracious gifts, these blessings are not simply future benefits, but are a present reality for us since they have already been won for us by God's saving action in Christ. They are to help us wage this spiritual war. We are blessed both now and will be in the future because we are in Christ. How many of you have ever seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the movies? Nice. Yeah, so like this idea of the spiritual realm, like when Frodo puts on that ring uh, and we see like what he sees, um, which you don't see unless you have the ring on, so like you have to be in that like wraith world, um, but, like, he can see the demons. He knows that they're real. But do you and I? So how about that plan that, that God had? You know, the much better plan than I did, for sure. Uh, let's take a deeper look into that. So, like, uh, in uh, 4 through 14, uh, it starts, again, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So we have been chosen. We have been adopted into sonship through Jesus Christ. 
we really like it's such an amazing thing to think that God chose us like and think about like in Matthew 3:17 when God speaks about Jesus uh, from heaven he says God er, he says this is my son whom I love I am well pleased we are also his sons and daughters through Christ because we have been adopted into sonship he smiles upon us and says I love you and I choose you and the, but the devil wants to keep our relationship with God broken. God sent his son, Jesus, to have it restored. This is the war that we are fighting. Will our relationship stay broken, or will it be restored? Now we see in Genesis 1, 27-28, God's original plan for us. We are to image him. He created us in his image. Then Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God and severed that perfect image in relationship. But God had a plan already in place. He sent Jesus onto this earth to do what no other man or woman could do. He was sinless and sacrificed himself on the cross. Our sinning is what gives the devil power over us. He took our guilt and shame to the cross. After his death, he was resurrected on the third day and defeated death once and for all. This is great news for all of us. The grave no longer has a grip on us. The devil no longer has a grip on us. God restored his image through Christ, and being in Christ, we can bear his image once again. How are you doing at imaging God? Now, Christ is the center of God's plan. One day, all things will be united in heaven and on earth because of him. This is what that cosmic reconciliation that I referenced earlier is about. Um, and I'm going to continue reading. I want to take a little bit deeper uh, dive into verse 11. Uh, it says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything, in conformity with the purpose of his will. So what does it mean to be predestined? Well, it means first, and, and, and first that you are not an accident. You're not a fluke of nature or a byproduct of some random chance in the universe. God never does anything accidentally, and he never makes mistakes. He has a reason for everything that he creates, every plant, every animal, were planned by God, and every person was designed with a purpose in mind. You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, your life will not make complete sense. So pre being predestined also means that God has a plan for you. Now, sometimes when the Bible talks about predestination, like, people start to kind of like, okay, well, do we even have a choice? Do I get to decide if, if I choose to follow God, or is it kind of just already made up? Um, and it's like everything is just predetermined. We don't have a choice. Uh, but that's not what the Bible means when it talks about predestination. Uh, does anybody in here have a family business, like your parents own a business or grandparents, like a family business? Um, so, so suppose your parents own a family business, all right? And their goal was for you to take over the family business when they retired or they died. Uh, you, of course, have the chance to opt in or out. But if you decide to take over the family business, your parents wisely have planned out how you would get to that point. 
They determined when you would be ready to start working in the, in the business, what on-the-job training you should have, what outside education you should receive, and when the business should be fully placed in your care and management. Years later, because of their wise preparation, you take each of the steps they had laid out for you ahead of time. That is what God has done for you. Before the foundation of the earth, God pre-planned that all who opt in by believing in Christ would have certain goals, purposes, and privileges to accomplish God's predetermined plans. That's what predestination is. It means that God loves you enough to create you and develop a plan for your life, but you only discover that plan in Christ. Now, what a relief to see all the promises uh, from God that we have because of being in Christ. We have hope in this war because of Christ. God has a great plan, and our role is to cooperate with that plan. How are you and I doing? This is part of the war that we wage. The devil wants us to think that we can always come up with a better plan than God. Stop and think for a minute. Can we really have a better plan than God's? So let's continue in this chapter. So uh, 15 through 23, it's a, like a Thanksgiving and prayer is what it's titled. Uh, but it's, it's playing off of this. And so for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Paul wants the eyes of our hearts open uh, to all that God has for us. We have an inheritance in him. Is your heart open to receive what God has for you? Our heart is crucial to restoring the image of God in our lives. Part of the battle that we are fighting is for our heart. Will you surrender it fully to God? Will you take it back from the enemy and fight for it? What might that look like for you? What might it look like for you to fight for your heart? Think about this. The power that was exerted to raise Christ from the dead is in us. Does that excite you? How well are you living like you have the resurrecting power of Jesus in your life? The power within you for being in Christ helps you fight this battle that we are in. If we are to effectively wage war against the enemy, we must wake up and realize that the power of the Holy Spirit is within us. Christ reigns over everything. 
He has been exalted to a position in the heavenly realms above all hostile spiritual powers. In fact, they have become subject to him. And Paul wants his readers and even us today to understand and appreciate the divine salvation and the place which we as God's people have in the divine purposes. I want to ask again, where does your identity come from? Does it come from Christ or from things in this world? Man, I am so thankful that God had a plan from the start, aren't you? Man, if life went according to my plans, we would be sleeping in tents in the middle of the desert. It would not be good. Uh, But instead, because of God's plan, through Christ we can image him. We have the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead within us. We have the power to win this war. So if I can have the the worship team come up um, as I wrap up. Um, With everything that happens to us, we often forget that we are a part of something grand and good. We lose sight of the divine purposes God has for us. God is calling us to identify ourselves in Christ. We do not find our identity or purpose in anything of this world. We find it in Christ. You won't understand your life. You won't see clearly what has happened to you or how to live forward from here unless you see it as a battle. The devil wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy us. He knows where to hit us when we are weak. He knows when to dig in and keep pressing. He knows the chinks in our armor. When we, when we open our computers late at night with no one around, when we look at everyone else's Instagram lives, when a certain someone looks funny at us, when we need to study for an exam, but you just have to watch the newest episode of The Bachelor, when your roommate doesn't clean up their room, their, their part of the room, when you go to a party and think one more drink won't hurt, when you're alone with your significant other, man, the list goes on and on. These are the types of battles that we face each and every day. But Christ came so that we would have life and life to the full. Jesus has given us hope to defeat the enemy. We have the power to conquer everything the devil throws at us through Christ. Yeah, right. Uh, And the great thing is that we don't have to face this war alone. Not only do we have Christ within us and the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have each other. We have a community, this community here, that looks out for each and every, like, person here. Like, we look out for each other. We can fight this battle together. We are brothers and sisters in arms. So let's fight this battle together. So I have a a few questions for you guys to write down, kind of think through um, as we go into a time of worship. Uh, But how might your life look differently if your identity was found in Christ? The second one, uh, what changes do you need to make in your life to be equipped to wage this war? And the third one, What are the chinks in your armor that the devil keeps pressing? And how are you going to reinforce that area of your life?